the Word of God from Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with sighs too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts of men knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Oh, the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God. His ways are past finding out. We must keep in mind as we go through the eighth chapter that the grand theme of the chapter is expressed in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is the ultimate final certainty of the salvation of the believer is the theme of this grand chapter. Some have embraced the theme so mightily and loved it so dearly that they've said were they marooned on a desert island with but one page of scripture to have, it would be this eighth chapter of the letter to the Romans. That then is the theme that every true believer united to Christ will come at last assuredly to his glorification and his final union with the Master. As we travel along the pilgrimage, though, Paul knows by experience, and you know and I know, that there are many troubles and difficulties that come to us. As they do, they may make us wonder whether we shall ever reach our destination, such as we are. And so Paul, led of the Spirit, writes these two verses, 26 and 27, to say to the believer that your trials and troubles, far from discouraging you and being signs that you will fall short, are in fact assurances because the way in which the Spirit comes and ministers to your need is a sign and a proof positive that you are in Christ and that you will one day see him face to face. That's why he writes these tremendous words. Therefore, we could say from these two verses that the teaching of this part of the chapter is that the difficulties the believer encounters and the way the Spirit ministers to him in those are themselves signs of the believer's assurance of salvation. Now let's go a little deeper into this to see if we can discover in what way we can gain certainty from our trials and our problems. Well, in verse 26, there's a very wonderful beginning. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, or as the King James says, the Spirit helps us in our infirmities, which may be a better and more comprehensive translation. The Spirit helps us. The little word helps is 
rare in this particular form in the New Testament, but wherever it is found, it has powerful and deep meaning. It suggests a person going along with a great burden, and a friend comes and assists him to carry the burden. Doesn't carry it for him, but gets under it with him. Helps. It's in another place where a person is over against a foe and a friend comes and stands with him against the enemy. Do you see the marvelous condescension of the Spirit of God here? That he comes in loving tenderness down alongside the struggling pilgrim who has this terrific load, and he gets under it and helps him with it, whatever particular problem or difficulty it may be. The Spirit helps us. That's a great reality. In our infirmity, our weakness. Now, what are these? Well, we live in a fallen world, and we are sinners, men and women, young and old. These are not our sins, but these are the results of the sinful condition of the human race, our limitations, our weaknesses due to our ignorance and foolishness and to the impotence of our own being. All of the problems which the human race has brought upon itself in sickness and crime and difficulty, these are our infirmities, our weaknesses. And it is in these that the Spirit comes and assists us. The Savior himself, in order to identify completely with us, entered these infirmities. We read in Hebrews, he was compassed with our infirmities. In another place, he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And so the believer is not immune to the infirmities of life, the weaknesses, the trials that come. The great reality of the Word of God is that the Holy Spirit sees the believer in these and comes to him and ministers to him. Herein is the difference from the worldling. The unbeliever also experiences all of the limitations and weaknesses of life, but he does so alone. No spirit of God comes to get under the burden with him, and the burden rather than lifting him closer to God, may make him bitter and hard in spirit. This, then, is one of the great signs of the believer's assurance, the very interaction of the Spirit of God with his particular trial. That's why God does not remove our burdens. We might wish he would. We pray for him to do so. But he allows them to remain and instead carries them with us that in that cooperating act, we may be utterly assured that we are God's forever and ever. Therefore, as believers, may we not depend wholly upon the Holy Spirit. May we not look to him when we have these difficulties and not act as if we must bear them all by ourselves but call upon him for his gracious assistance, pleading this verse, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
doesn't say he does it for us. He's not a substitute for our shoulders. Sometimes you see on a bumper, let go and let God. That's really not scriptural truth. It sounds good. That suggests being passive and simply dumping our problems. No, God wants us to get under them, carry them, struggle with them. But the great reality is that in the life of the believer, the Holy Spirit helps us in our infirmity. Are you doubting whether you belong to Christ or not? Has the way become so dark that you wonder? Look then, is he not with you in that problem you're facing now? That loneliness, that pressure, that decision? Have you not sensed him walking alongside? What greater sign could you want? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. But just like Paul, led of the Spirit, is this great particular example he gives, which is of a certain kind of infirmity. The first helping was in general. Now we come to a focused need, the perplexity in prayer. And not all prayer is a problem. We mustn't make it so. Most prayer is not. Normally we know what to pray for, the fruits of the Spirit, courage amidst afflictions and persecutions. We know we ought to pray for peace in the church, praying for others, for the spread of the gospel, for consideration of the poor, for the needs of the world. We know what to pray for. But are there not moments when a pressing situation comes close to home and we do not know how to pray within it. We don't know how it could be solved or what to pray for. We can hardly imagine it's being resolved. How then should we ask? That's the perplexing moment in the believer's life. It's part of our infirmity. It comes from the dimness of our vision and the feebleness of our faith, but it's not sinful. It ought to be admitted and placed right out there. Lord, I don't know how to pray in this difficult and vexing situation in which I am. I want to pray. I long to have your will done, but I don't even know how to ask. We can pray erroneously. Moses did. He prayed that he might see and enter the promised land. He couldn't. Elijah prayed wrongfully when he said, Lord, take my life. It was a wrong prayer. The disciples prayed wrongly when they said, Lord, cast fire from heaven and consume them. Paul prayed wrongfully when he said, Lord, take the thorn out of my flesh. Not wrongfully, but so perplexed in prayer, they thought they knew what was the right answer, but it wasn't God's answer at all. If then these great spiritual giants can be dumbfounded about how to pray, what about me and you? Are we not also perplexed sometimes? The great reality here is, but, ah, that wonderful scriptural word, the Spirit himself intercedes for us. 
There we have it. The believer has two great intercessors going for him. In heaven at the right hand of God is the blessed Savior. And he is ever on the ground of his finished work on Calvary, pleading for us before his Father. Oh, the pleading intercessor of Christ. And here in our hearts is the purifying intercessor. Christ in heaven and the Spirit in us, both interceding for us. Oh, how greatly God is for us in the Father, in the Son, in the Spirit. He is utterly on our side, pleading for us in our vexing and troublesome situations. He does not want us to have incompetent and disappointing prayers. He wants our prayers to be elevated and pure and godly. So he comes and does the praying. He intercedes for us. And then a most mysterious description. With sighs too deep for words. Or groanings which cannot be uttered. Sometimes we go through problems for which language has no expression. Either the pain is too deep that human words cannot convey it, or the joy so exalted that no rhapsody of the human tongue could ever lift it up. Words fail us. That's when Satan comes. And he would seal our lips saying, if you have no words, don't pray. And let our hearts break because they cannot express their emotion. Don't listen to Satan when he tells you not to pray because you don't know what to pray. That's the moment to pray the wordless prayer. Because the Spirit of God has so closely identified with the agonies of the believer and with his condition in infirmity in this world that the blessed and tender friend comes and he groans with you beneath the surface of your ignorance where you do not know how to pray and cannot picture any possible answer. He comes there underneath your own understanding and moves and groans with you in longing for God's answer so that what seems to you to be darkness is utter light to God. And what seems to you to be confusion and disorder is perfect order to God because the Father knows the mind of the Spirit and the Spirit takes our poor petitions as strange and perverted and unwilling as they sometimes are and the Spirit shapes them according to the will of God. It is like a sea captain who would have his son up on the bridge with him. And he says to his son, here, you steer the ship for a while. The little boy takes hold of the wheel. And, but the father's strong hands are there too. And the boy thinks he's steering, and in a way he is. But the course that the ship is on does not alter. Because the Father has his strong hand on the wheel, and he'll see it through. 
And that's what God does with these pitiful prayers of ours, as limited and ignorant as they are, yet spoken out of our longing that his will be done. The Spirit comes and makes intercession for us and brings them through to a great and mighty conclusion. You remember how Augustine, the profligate youth of North Africa, who broke his mother's heart repeatedly, how she yearned for that young man to become a mighty force for Christ and the church. One day, Augustine committed the final offense in her eyes and said, Mother, I'm going to Italy and seek my fortune. She thought that meant only more carnality, farther from her restraining influences, and she wept within. Lord, she pled, don't let Augustine go to Italy. Keep him here near me where I can at least hold on to him in some measure. But he went, and there he heard the words of Christ, take and read. And picking up the scripture, he read the words of the Apostle Paul, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. And what Monica thought and what she prayed for utterly were reversed by the Holy Spirit in order that her larger and deeper request might be granted. And Augustine became the great bishop and father of the early church. And so with us, don't tremble too much if your prayers are jumbled and uncertain when you're in that dark place. Groan within, and you will not be able to discern the difference between your groaning and the utterances given by the Holy Spirit, for they will be one in you. And the Father, knowing the mind of the Spirit, will answer according to his own purpose and glorious will. What a marvelous protection against our weakness and our infirmity. Now, this isn't the way the believer normally prays. Our usual life of prayer is with words and concepts. Hosea said, bring words and come to the Lord. We bring logical thoughts and we come praying to God. Nevertheless, in every life these moments come when perplexity is larger than logic and darkness stronger than light. And when they come, don't feel guilty. Bring your perplexity to the Lord. Acknowledge you don't know how to pray, but pray anyway deep under the surface with groanings which cannot be uttered and see God at work. Yes, the Spirit helps our infirmity. Oh, glorious truth, that we're not alone in this life of prayer. Even when desire grows cold and the believer may wander from God for a time, the Spirit of God who has been given to us and is in us continues to pray beneath the surface and there like a fire smoldering underneath he rekindles the desire for the life of prayer 
and it breaks out again. And when our carnal desires and our self-love and our spiritual pride begin to change the motivation of our praying into something that meets my need rather than the glory of God, the Spirit helping our infirmities refines and deepens those prayers until they become what God wants them to be. And if our praying should grow formal and cold and routine, the Spirit of God comes and he makes them again like the prayers of Nehemiah in his praying. He prayed in like the prayers of Elijah fervently so that we do not settle into ruts and deadness in the life of prayer. And if in praying we would offend God by demanding something of him as if we were sovereign, the Spirit of the Lord comes and moderates that offense and keeps us from demanding anything of God, for he is Lord. If in our praying we grow weary and well-doing and cease to persevere, and begin to leave off secret praying, the Spirit of God comes and refreshes it and drives us again into our closet and to our knees and shows us again the glory and beauty of a quiet hour with God. Oh, blessed Spirit. And if we forget sometimes the bases on which mighty, powerful praying can be made, the pleas which our fathers used the Spirit reminds us of the blood of Christ. What a mighty plea it is. How many souls have been saved from hell because some intercessor took the blood of Christ into the very throne room of God and on the basis of the blood of Christ kept some soul out of hell by prayer. Someone else taking the plea of the love of the Father and of the son as Abraham did for the city of his brother-in-law Lot. How Abraham brought the love of the father and used that as a basis for mighty intercession. How someone else will bring the glory of God as a strong plea. Lord, don't let your glory be dimmed. Don't let men speak evil of you. You whose glory is written in the heavens. These are the mighty bases on which a life of prayer and intercession is established. But the Spirit of God is the one who brings them to our mind and builds them into our lives. Oh, tender, helpful friend, oh, loving comforter, that he comes as a parent to a child and in our infirmity, in our weakness, in our prayerlessness, he comes and teaches and guides and corrects and prays through us and for us and in us. What a blessed privilege for the believer. You have access into the throne room of God and you have the mighty helper of the Holy Spirit to take you there. Are you rejoicing in this great possession, in this powerful friend, in this tender ally? Is he your great joy and glory? I commend him to you. Ask him to teach you to pray 
Ask him to pray with you through the hard and dark places. And he will not forsake you. His ministry to you is another sign that you belong to Christ. Let us pray together. The tender mercies from on high have visited us in this scripture. And we have been reminded anew, Heavenly Father, of how richly you have provided for us in our pilgrim life. That even though we meet the difficulties of life as other men, we have this wondrous blessed helper who communicates and enables and teaches and even groans with us in our suffering. Forgive us when we have tried to carry the load alone, when we have thought that our trials meant separation from Christ, or when we have left off praying at the suggestion of Satan. Oh God, we renew today by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the life of prayer. And we commit ourselves to praying in the Spirit, that in the stream of the Spirit of God, we shall be buoyed up and carried forward and refreshed and led toward glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.